From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Deirdre Birmingham runs the Cider Farm with her husband, John Bondi, in Mineral Point, Wisconsin. They raise organic English and French cider apples, which are pressed into a variety of hard ciders and apple brandy, which you can sample at their tasting room in Madison. A lifelong conservationist, Deirdre has worked extensively to add a variety of conservation practices to her land, including plantings to benefit pollinators to keep the over 15,000 apple trees in the orchards thriving. We are back with another of our special Women Caring for the Land podcasts within her boots, talking to some really inspiring women landowners here in Wisconsin, throughout the Midwest, who have really championed conservation. And Deirdre Birmingham, you are a true pioneer in all this, who have done so much on your land and have been so supportive. I was trying to remember when you first hosted one of our Women Caring for the Land workshops and Both of our memories got fuzzy because so many years have gone by and so many great things have happened to you and the business since then. So thank you for all of your support over the years and all of the things that you have done to your land that have really inspired other women, others in Wisconsin to, to take those steps to caring for our land. And can you kick us off a little bit with sharing why conservation is so important to you? Because this goes way back in your story, right? I mean, you why is it so important to you personally? Yes, conservation uh, is something I think I became interested in back in high school uh, decades ago uh, in the 70s when um, I was just concerned about the natural environment, trying to get my mother to recycle because <laughs> that was new at the time. So I've always um, had a deep concern and love for the natural environment. Um, I decided to pursue a career in agriculture and uh, never thought that would ever lead towards me actually buying land and farming. But that's something um, my husband and I wanted to do was to do a farm-based business together. And we set out on that in the 90s. At least we decided that's what we wanted to do someday. So Uh, We got to finally buy land in late 2002, and we just knew whatever we did, we would do it organically because that would match our our land ethic, and we would um, seek to enhance the ecology of whatever land we bought. And we bought a piece of land not knowing what our business would be, but it was just a naturally pretty landscape. It uh, needed work. Uh, We could see that, but it just had a a beauty to it um, all its own. And uh, no buildings. There was nothing really here, just remnants of of foundations. And there was some cropping going on and grazing of dairy cattle. 
that's common around here. So um, it was sort of a clean sheet of paper in a way. We could um, go in a variety of directions of our own choosing. So when you first bought the place, then you did not have a vision of an apple tree or 15,000 apple trees to come, right? Or the cider farm or all of the business ventures that grew once you were there? Yes, that did. We, of course, saw hundreds of wild apple trees on the land. So apples was just there to begin with in a wild sense. There was no previous orchard here, just the typical old farmstead of having a few apple trees, among other things. Um, But we wanted to do, as I mentioned, something grown organically, but also a finished product or a value-added product. And uh, we landed on doing ciders and then apples grown organically. And we also looked into the types of apple varieties that would best suit a hard cider, uh, a fermented product. And just like there's wine grapes for wine and you make cider like you do a wine, we looked into apple varieties that would um, give you some of the similar qualities you might look for in a wine grape, such as uh, tannins. And those varieties weren't uh, commercially available in the U.S., so we learned to graft a horticultural process so we could make our own trees. So we started very slowly, and that led towards cover cropping uh, our first orchard block for three years while we learned to graft and grow trees that could eventually be taken out of our nursery and onto the landscape. And tell us more about the landscape. What kind of challenges did you find once you got there as far as, well, challenges and opportunities as far as conservation goes? And what might have been some of the first steps you did back then to start your journey of stewarding the land? Yes. Well, the farm is 166 acres and it's a very diverse uh, topography. So we're in the driftless region of Wisconsin. So it's rolling dairy countryside. Um, There's nothing really flat here. You're always walking uphill or downhill. Um, But there was uh, over almost 60 acres of crop ground, about 60 acres of woodlands, Uh, natural springs that wind their way from one end of the property towards the other and join up a creek uh, that's on the map and that actually feeds into larger streams and the Pecatonica River and eventually the Mississippi. Um, uh, So, and a gorgeous sedge meadow around that creek. And so we were looking at at, um, what we could do to... uh, make it, uh, well, we saw, for example, that the woodlands were overgrown, there were some invasive species. Uh, So one of the challenges has been just uh, where do you start on all these different fronts while also saying, uh, hey, we need to get our farm-based business going. So getting the um, orchard started by learning to graft trees and and, uh, grow them organically. These uh, varieties too are very rare. So I've Kind of like a data point of one, trying to understand that, uh, trying to figure out how to grow them organically in Midwest conditions. But um, so we started uh, uh, working on the landscape and and also learning about conservation programs that the USDA had. And probably one of the first things we did was with our Natural Resource Conservation Service office, known as the NRCS, and they came out and measured contours on our landscape because we wanted to plant the trees and rows along the contour 
of, um, of a slope that really hadn't been in, in crop production much. So that the soil was, was good to begin with, but we um, wanted to just keep uh, enhancing that with cover crops that we just turned into the soil for three years while we, while we prepared it. Um, then they also came out and did a just tour of the land. I mean, just looking at resource concerns, uh, things that they might be able to offer uh, different programs so that we could meet some of our conservation and environmental goals. So um, and they discovered we have just lots of honeybees around us. Uh, we have great wild pollinators as well. And so we've only gone further with that and used NRCS programs to put in uh, pollinator strips around our orchard. Um, we also converted 30 acres of rented crop ground to prairie, and that's in combination with the Farm Service Agency, or FSA. Uh, the NRCS provides technical support on that. Uh, it's been wonderful to have them come out at times to check on things and just to be able to walk with them. And they point out all these different um, plants that are coming up. And uh, so it's been an opportunity to also learn. Um, and they've been very helpful in helping us select for our windbreaks uh, that we used with uh, a program called EQUIP, uh, Environmental Quality Improvement Program to put in pollinator-friendly species. As long as we're selecting tree and shrub species, let's get another bang for the buck. And so we even had an organization, a nonprofit called Xerces Society. Uh, so they're into conserving uh, bees and they came out with the NRCS. The NRCS was kind of new to this pollinator emphasis. And so they learned as we did uh, from Xerces right here, walking our land to um, help us select varieties that would that would also in, in, uh, serve as windbreaks, but also provide some pollinator uh, benefits. So there's been a, um, even more programs that we can talk about as well that we've uh, learned to use to help us reach some of our um, farming and conservation goals. That's great, Deirdre. You've really tapped into the resources available there with NRCS in particular. And did you find when you first started that NRCS and the other agencies and organizations involved were really supportive? Because it can be intimidating for somebody, a new landowner, a new woman landowner, you know, who is enthusiastic about conservation and learning these things. But it sounds like you don't need a, a science degree to engage the NRCS, right? They They love questions. They love to help folks learn and it sounded like a lot of that you did together as well, but any uh, advice on that front? Yes. Um, no, we have uh, very helpful people who genuinely are concerned about natural resource conservation. And I think they enjoy it when they uh, meet with someone who also has uh, that same interest. Um, they have to often implement nationally run programs. And so they aren't necessarily designed just for your part of the Midwest or your county or whatever. So sometimes there's a little bit of uh, this, you know, square pegs, round hole, maybe kind of thing, or just trying to find those, find those fits might, might, might be a better way uh, to put it. And, but my, my experience has just been very positive that, um, They've often reached out to me saying, hey, there's a new program or we have a new sign up uh, that you might be interested in. 
And uh, just recently, we had the opportunity to renew our conservation stewardship program contract. So I known as a CSP. There's all kinds of acronyms uh, with the uh, USDA <laughs> to start with one right there, U.S. Department of Agriculture. But um, so we were we were in that program, which is different than the ones uh, such as the uh, where we put prairie in, and that's taking land out of production. They used to call it uh, set aside programs, where you're setting aside cropland for conservation purposes. But now with the Conservation Stewardship Program, they're trying to reward efforts to people who are doing uh, production agriculture to, to reward them for the conservation practices they're, do, they're doing, and then we can always do better. So they provide some small incentives to, to add on another, another practice. Uh, so we're, we're happy uh, for those programs and, and have been able to avail ourselves of it. And one thing that I, I started learning is that the USDA has many different uh, programs within it, and those programs are not necessarily interlinked. So you may have talked to one part of the USDA, but you, have, you haven't talked to all of it. So uh, since these programs are not necessarily interlinked, you do need to do some self-exploration to find out, oh, there's a whole rural development division, for example, and they have different programs, like we've used the value-added producer grant program, not a conservation program. It has other, other goals. But if you talk to the FSA, they are not the Natural Resource Conservation Service, which is not rural development either. So um, that's been uh, interesting and necessary to learn. And that also led towards my working with uh, the Michael Fields Agricultural Institute and uh, subsequently the Wisconsin Farmers Union to help particularly new uh, beginning farmers, minority women farmers to access these different programs by informing them of what they are and and, and, and how you do that and when there might be uh, funding opportunities affiliated with that. Because uh, I've used many of those things myself. And so through the, my own explorations and availing myself of some nonprofits, uh, such as uh, Moses and others uh, that are in the Midwest or run nationally, they've helped me uh, learn about these different, different programs and then to um, how to go contact them and, and explore what might work to match your, your, in this case, conservation goals. Yeah, that's a tremendous resource that, that you helped grow at Michael Fields of having people on staff there to help navigate grant opportunities, flesh out ideas. What, what advice would you give there, Deirdre, in, because everybody, every, everybody would love a grant, right? Or would like some free money for anything on the land. But did you find it was helpful more to have your conservation goals set first? You know, it, it gets easy to money your grant chase, right? But it sounds like what you did had vision and strategy first, and then you looked for opportunities to help fund what you were envisioning and support what you're envisioning versus the other way around, right? It's easy to kind of go down that rabbit hole. Or what would you, what would you recommend that somebody's first steps are before looking at possible funding opportunities? 
Yes. Um, I've often had people contact me saying, oh, we're starting a farm. We want to get a grant. <laughs> and, you know, I can say, well, hey, <laughs> that's <I've>, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I would love to have a grant, too. I mean, I farm as well. And when I started, we we used our own resources. Uh, I work part time, my husband full time. And so you have to decide what your your farming business goals are, your goals for conserving the land. I mean, sometimes we don't even know enough about the land and uh, about our natural environment. It's all a learning process. And then particularly for the the land you're um, uh, using or, or habitating. So um, it does help to just even uh, work with these conservation groups to, uh, for, for example, they want to identify natural resource concerns. Well, have them come out and help you see what those what those are. Then learning also where loans and grants and things like that fit in to what your already established goals are, because you don't want the tail wagging the dog. Uh, you want to use these as tools to help you achieve something that you've clearly defined. And as in any business, you're you're shifting, you're pivoting, your you know things evolve and, and and change as you as you move through your um, your business. I mean, we never set out to do apple brandy, but an opportunity presented itself, so that became one of our products, and we're we're very glad um, very glad it, it did. The but understanding kind of what what you want and then availing yourself of those resources and making sure they fit and not getting into anything that could be something that took you away uh, from what you're trying, trying to achieve. Right. That makes total sense. And back to the conservation side, why do you think women have such a strong connection to the land and land stewardship and why does this resonate so much with women? Well, um, I, maybe it's because women are uh, maybe a little bit more oriented towards caretaking and nurturing. Um, I, I certainly uh, know of men who are also passionate about the natural environment and conserving it too. Um, and sometimes women are just ready to dig down and maybe women sometimes too are, uh, people don't realize how much we will just you know, get our hands dirty and do what it takes uh, to achieve some of these conservation efforts. Because it's, you know, I mean, you got to be digging and planting and or sometimes moving earth a bit and working with machinery. Um, but uh, it, um, yeah, I think there's some natural in- inclinations and in, from that nurturing and caretaking aspect that, um, that maybe make make women a little more oriented towards, um, towards being good, good stewards. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Deirdre. And, um, for folks in the Madison area, they can check out your tasting room as well and try literally taste your land in, in a way, right. As far as the, the flavors of the things you've been growing there. And, uh, again, thank you for all the inspiration you give to landowners everywhere. Yeah, and we um, we do like to feature uh, the bounty of this uh, wonderful landscape that we have and soils. 
And uh, another thing that I wanted to share in relation to exploring conservation programs and, and other offerings of the USDA is that I was really happy to see this week that they've started in every state a beginning farmer state coordinator. I may not be getting the title exactly right, but it's for new and beginning farmers. There is a person now um, assigned in your state to help you explore the different aspects of the USDA. I mean, I used to feel like I was a portal to different um, different programs, be they state-run programs or USDA programs, but now they're putting a person in there who is that portal to help new and beginning farmers do that. And they have a national level person as well. So, so this is a this is a new feature um, at the at the USDA that a lot of groups like Moses and the National Sustainable Ag Coalition have been pushing for, and it's just great to see to see that that progress. So that's another um, new tool that people need to be aware of, a new resource person in their state um, that they can work with. Fantastic. Great. Thank you, Deirdre. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.